Sunday morning in Las Vegas, uh, just after 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live, same time every Sunday at Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're coming to you from the Wisden, a.k.a. Spencer Studio in Las Vegas, located uh, basically at the 95 and Jones Boulevard. Uh, if you haven't listened to the show or heard us before, we are here because we have been booted from the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio until further notice due to COVID. COVID oh, this mic. What am I? Th- what am I thinking of, Spence? Are we hearing me? Okay. It was fine. It was just a little far away. Okay, that's all. I didn't have the you. mic up to me for some reason. I'm thinking it's automatically hooked up to my headset. Anyways, <laughs> oh, never, never a dull moment. Listen to me. Joining me on the show is social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. That's right, the Wiz has his own theme music. And producing today's show, Social Distancing, back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio, producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, is also the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the home pre-pregame show host for UNLV football on our sister station, ESPN The Leader. Uh, The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Adeline Fox LV. Since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Tab brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company you turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Now offering $2,500 free to everyone and anyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. For more information, call 702-964-5720. On tap, well, huge Huge trade this past week for the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm sure most of you heard about it, but uh, you haven't had it broken down by Brian Spencer and Magnum, which will happen shortly. And the Vegas Golden Knights, winners of five of their last six games. Pretty impressive after the way they started and still very injury-plagued, but they're winning. And they got the power play going last night. We'll talk about that as well. Speak about winning. Something UNLV football hasn't done in a long while. Matter of fact, since the 2019 season is the last time they've had a win. That is until yesterday in New Mexico. We'll talk about that one in a little bit as well. Also, of course, um, we have some college football going on this weekend, as always, and some huge upsets, or I should say one monstrous upset. My alma mater, after I probably donned my MSU shirt last week, goes um to Purdue and gets smashed. We'll talk about that and the other upsets. And UNLV basketball, the running Rebels on the brink of starting their 2021-2022 campaign. And joining us today on Out of Line is brand new UNLV head basketball coach Kevin Kruger. We'll talk about that uh, today as well. And Kevin's going to be joining the show. Looking forward to that. And also 
we're changing the segment. It's no longer S&B with C because Caleb's not here, hasn't been for a while. So we're going to call it the Bones, Spencer, and it's going to be all about the silver and black and the Raiders. Raiders, after a week off, I'll pick up the pace today in New York. They play the New York Giants, and um, big game for the Raiders, man, looking for their third straight win and to stay on top of the uh, AFC Western Division. We'll talk about that. Uh, also, some key Week 9 matchups in the National Football League. We'll talk about those in a big fight in Las Vegas, pound for pound. They say he's the best fighter in the world right now fighting, and that is Canelo Alvarez. He fought Caleb Plant at the MGM Garden Arena last night. We'll talk about that as well a little bit later on in the show. That is what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And right now, Residential Bank Corp is offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 towards closing costs for any and anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing purchase program in the state of Nevada. Again, 702-964-5720 for details. And here we go, man. Let's get things uh, started before we get to what's on tap. Just see how you're doing, Spence. Everything good? Everything's great. Glad to be here this morning. <laughs> I'm always glad to be here on a Sunday morning. It makes me get my ass out of bed a little bit earlier than I normally would. Now, I've been doing it for so long. I think it's 2012 now, so I'm kind of used to getting very little sleep on a uh, Saturday night. What's going on, Chris? How you doing back in the studio, brother? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, you know, glad I don't have to worry about a Jets loss today. I was, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. I don't have to worry about a Lions win or loss. I said it's a guarantee there will still be one winless team at the end of this uh, weekend, and that will be the Detroit Lions. Why? Because they don't have a chance to win a game. They're, they are on a bye week. So they'll at least go into week 10 in the NFL without a win, which is – um. I can't say shocking in any way, shape, or form. I kind of said this. Even though I joked around and said I could see them not winning a game before the season started, I admit wholeheartedly that was a joke. I didn't expect it to come true. All right, listen, let's jump right into nightcap. Uh, some big things going on with the Vegas Gold Knights, and all three of us are looking forward to talking about it. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Yeah. Special player, and he dresses a real big need in our hockey club. I think when you look at our team, it's a really good team. We, uh, you know, had that opportunity to add a first line center, and I think that uh, we worked hard to do it, and thought it was important that we uh, bring him into the organization, and really pleased we were able to do so. That, of course, uh, general manager Kelly McCrimmon of the uh, the Ve the Vegas Golden Knights, and um, I think uh, all of us were kind of surprised, shocked. If you know hockey, you if you said you weren't happy about the trade, then you don't know hockey. I mean, unless you don't think uh, Jack Eichel is going to return from the the uh, surgery he's going to have and the the, the neck problems, but. Um, uh, I think he'll be fine. Modern medicine's amazing. But we'll talk about uh, Jack Eichel and that trade shortly. First, uh, let's get to this right away. Chris, uh, Vegas wins um, last night. They, they, they win a big game. They've won a, uh, now two in a row, but five of their last six games. They're over 500 for the first time since winning their first game against the Kraken at T-Mobile Arena. And most importantly, Chris, the power play. I think everybody was tired of talking about, hearing about, and listening to 
the woes of the Vegas Golden Knights power play. They hadn't scored a power play goal since game four of the series against Colorado last year in the playoffs. They think 0 for 15 coming into the game against Montreal. How big was that goal by Alex Petrangelo in the second period to finally break the ice in the power play? Well, yeah, it was it was huge because obviously it was something that was wearing on this team. And look, let's be honest. You've, you've been missing William Carlson for three games. You've been missing Mark Stone since game two. You've been missing Max Pacioretty for uh, a, a while as well. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was nice to, to see it get going. They got two power play goals last night. Dylan Coughlin had the other defenseman who, who remember, scored the hat trick last season against the Minnesota Wild, which was certainly a no pun intended, wild situation. But, uh, you know, it, it was something that eventually was going to get going. It was kind of nice to see it get going against Montreal because, of course, that's a team that gives the Golden Knight fans nightmares, at least the last few months they have. Um, so it didn't start out great. Um, you know, obviously you you fall behind 2 two nothing. You give up a power play goal to Nick Suzuki, who always seems to rise uh, when the Canadians play the Golden Knights. But, uh I'll tell you, man, it, it, it was nice to see him. Petrangelo, we, we actually talked about it on the on the Insider Show on Friday, that Petrangelo is a guy who I think unfairly has gotten a ton of criticism because he, up until this weekend, didn't have any points. But he's he's been really playing well on the defensive end, which is kind of what you want for a defenseman. Now he's gotten a couple goals in the last couple games and against Ottawa, and then last night he gets the goal. Um, he he he's playing well. He's played really good this season. It's just that I feel like it's nice that he he got, he finally got that that check mark in the column that he's got goals, so people can finally stop criticizing him because he's had a really really good season. There is no question about it. Alex Petrangelo is one of the best defensive defensemen in the National Hockey League. He showed it last year when he was one of the very few players that played all three playoff series for the Vegas Golden Knights. Never really was a guy that they couldn't count on. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, he was the scoring leader for the Vegas Golden Knights, which isn't a good thing when a defenseman leads your team in scoring in the playoffs. You're probably not going very far. The Knights did go kind of far, but um, they needed a lot more than him. But yeah, I'm amazed anyone would criticize this guy Chris he is uh, one of the best two-way defensive players in the national two-way players in the National Hockey League as a defenseman um and the other thing Chris and you kind of mentioned it you know two nothing lead uh Robin Leonard a guy that um you know people say the jury is still out on him I don't think so I think this guy is showing game in and game out how good he is 20 to 1 the Vegas Golden Knights were outshot last night Chris in the first period it is the most uh, shots, the second most shots on goal they have ever allowed in a period dating back to the very first game ever against the Islanders in the second period of that game. They ended up winning that game as well, but they give up 20 shots and they only get one. And that is the fewest shots the Vegas Golden Knights have ever had in a period in a game in their four, well, on their way to their fifth year history. Uh, Chris, that was concerning. Of course, they turned it around in the second period, but my point of bringing that up was if Robin Leonard doesn't play the way he does in that first period, uh, the, the Vegas Golden Knights might not have the ability to come back because they could have easily been down four or five goals the way they were outplayed in that first period. And Robin Leonard single-handedly kept them in that hockey game. And all I got to say is thank God for Robin Leonard to have him as the heir apparent to Marc-Andre Fleury. He looks like he's going to be a good one. Yeah, and that was something Pete DeBoer mentioned in the press conference last night after the game about 
the way Robin Leonard played uh, in that first period. And look, here, here's the here's the bottom line. Robin Leonard has been the best player for the Golden Knights for the, the, the season so far. What are we, 11 games in? He has been their MVP. Granted, you still have a very long way to go, and Loren Brassois will be in net today as the Golden Knights travel to the Motor City to take on the Red Wings. But, uh, you know, Robin Leonard is a guy who I think he, he had, again, like Petrangelo, unfairly received a lot of criticism. And, and what I like about Robin Leonard is he's not afraid to be Robin Leonard. And maybe that rubs people the wrong way, but what I love about it is Robin Leonard really doesn't care if you feel he rubs you the wrong way. He's going to be himself. He's going to speak out for a lot of things. And look, Jack Eichel mentioned it. Robin Leonard has was was in his corner from day one about the this the the the, the surgery and you know, Robin Leonard also was very vocal about the Kyle Beach situation. And Kyle Beach had mentioned Robin Leonard being, you know, there to speak with him about this whole thing. Robin Leonard is becoming not just a phenomenal goalie, but what he's doing off the ice is something that I don't see a lot of players in, not just in the NHL, but across all of our major pro sports here in the United States being an advocate for people who are wronged, people who are victims. Robin Leonard is more than a hockey player. Robin Leonard is a guy who off the ice is doing things for a lot of people who maybe don't have a voice, maybe who are afraid to come forward. Robin Leonard is not afraid to speak for them. And I think, you know, like I said, maybe that rubs people the wrong way. It doesn't rub me the wrong way. In fact, I love it. I like the fact that we have a guy here in Vegas who's going to speak out against injustice no matter what it is. And it just so happens he's also maybe the best goalie in the NHL. I mean, he's certainly in the top four or five as far as best goalies in the entire world. So we're very lucky here in Vegas that we got to watch Marc-Andre Fleury, who in my opinion is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And now the torch has been passed to Robin Leonard. And Robin Leonard is a guy who, quite frankly, he could win the Vezina Trophy the way he's played so far this year. Yeah, Chris, you know, what a great era parent. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't realize that. But I also think it helped Robin Leonard playing behind Marc-Andre Fleury and not so much learning from him. Rob, Robin Leonard was already a seasoned veteran. But I think playing behind him humbled him a little bit because, as you mentioned, Chris, he's one of the top goaltenders in the world. And yet he has to sit behind a guy who's pushing 40 years old in a couple of years. That's got to be a little bit annoying internally, no matter what he says. He was a class act the entire time. He respected the hell out of Marc-Andre Fleury. Flurry. He waited for his turn, and now he is maximizing on his on this opportunity. And we all, I think, all of us that knew hockey understood and knew that Robin Leonard had Leonard had this in him. But as you mentioned, Chris, he's a top five goalie now. People were saying, is he even a top ten goalie? Absolutely, you see it now, and I think we are very lucky and blessed. If you're a hockey fan in Las Vegas, that Robin Leonard is going to be between the pipes. And like you said, Chris, he is a camp director. He is a leader, and I think that's what we're seeing. And again. It's kind of, as you mentioned, maybe the best player on the Golden Knights right now, Robin Leonard. Who would have figured from one goalie to the next when Marc-Andre Fleury departed that we'd be able to say that? But pretty damn impressive. And and speaking of Jack Eichel, of course, Robin Leonard and Jack Eichel, dear friends. And 
when Robin Leonard out, you know, spoke out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, I was taken back by it. I think a lot of people were just because you don't want the distraction. You brought light to the fact that, hey, that's who Robin Leonard is. He's a guy that beats to the tune of his own drum, and he is going to say and speak what he feels all the time. He did. Nobody really got offended by it. I think changes are being made because of it, and now he gets Jack Eichel to come and join him on the Vegas Golden Knights, which is only going to make him happy. And you want a happy goaltender. It's like if you're if you're a quarterback, you want your offensive line to be happy. When you're play, a professional hockey player, you want your goaltender to be happy and successful. And Robin Leonard bringing one of his best friends to play for the Golden Knights is going to do nothing but uh, make him even better, I think. But speaking of this, Chris, and the segueing into that Jack Eichel trade, I know I, I'm not going to say stunned, man. The Vegas Golden Knights have been a team on the move since day one. Um, they, and that's the way they go. And I think all of the people in Vegas now have really learned the business side of hockey. As we've talked about several times, it is a business. It's not a popularity contest. And when you look back to the initial roster, there are eight players still on the Vegas Golden Knights. Five of them, or I think uh, six of them, no, five of them, if I'm not mistaken, started game one with the Vegas Golden Knights. The, the, of course, the production line, William Carlson, John, Jonathan Marchessault, and Riley Smith intact from day one. Uh, and, and they, well, I won't say the line was intact, but the of them were intact. You also have Braden McNabb, who was actually one of the very first players ever acquired by the Vegas Golden Knights. And then you've got William Carrier. That's it. And then, of course, Shea Theodore came up from Chicago pretty quickly. We all knew he did. I think that was the biggest surprise of not making the opening day roster with Shea Theodore. And I'll never forget, Chris, I got an opportunity to interview him after his first game as a Vegas Golden Knight. And I said, Shea, how happy you are. You're, you're up, you know, back up here. A lot of people thought you were going to make the initial roster. He said, I'm never going back down boy he wasn't kidding and then of course a couple of other guys that were on the vegas golden knights as far as playing uh down in the ahl you had zach white cloud and dylan ferguson that are both still members dylan ferguson of course with the henderson silver knights right now but that is a complete this is a completely different team from the one that took the ice initially in 2017 and yet chris is it a better team yes yes it is a better team look that that team I, I mean, it's tough, and it's funny because you mentioned the five guys who who are still on this roster who started that first game. William Carrier is one of those guys. He only played six minutes and 31 seconds in that first game against the Dallas Stars. Now he's playing top-line minutes because of all the injuries. Obviously, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marshall, so William Carlson, and Braden McNabb, who was in and out of the lineup early on for the Golden Knights. But yes, to answer your question, this team, when fully healthy, obviously not the team that is at $58 million on the salary cap, which is actually under the salary floor. This team in particular, yes, they are fully healthy, better than any Golden Knights team that has ever taken the ice. And that that's obviously including Jack Eichel, who, look, I, I, I don't know how many times people in Vegas who aren't like, don't have the, the NHL package, don't watch a lot of Sabres games. Look, and let's be honest, there's really not a lot of reason to watch the Sabres unless you're a diehard Sabres fan or when they come to town to play the Golden Knights. But Jack Eichel is a game changer. He's not Connor McDavid, but he's really damn good. I mean, nobody's Connor McDavid, but Jack Eichel is in that discussion for being in the next tier of superstar players. Look, when fully healthy, Jack Eichel is probably a top five player 
in the NHL. He's a guy who, if you put him between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, and I'm just spitballing here, that will probably be the top line, and I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Pete DeBoer will want to mix things up with Jack Eichel. But Jack Eichel is a guy who could legitimately have 100 points with the Golden Knights next season. That's how good he is. Think about that. 100 points. He is a potential 45-50 goal scorer. I cannot wait to see a fully healthy Jack Eichel on this team because he, he is so good. And he skates so well, and it doesn't hurt that he's he's a Yank. He's one of us. So I of of course I think that's that's huge as well to have an American superstar on the Golden Knights. I agree a hundred percent. Jack Eichel, Chris. You know, you look at what he did with the Sabers, and and the fact that he's only twenty five years old. 375 games in the National Hockey League. One hundred and thirty nine goals. Uh, what is it? Uh, I can't like 216 assists, like a ridiculous amount of points. Three times NHL All Stars in the fourth year of an eight-year, eighty million dollar contract. And you know the the biggest and only concern, obviously, a guy is going in for neck surgery, and that is a concern. And uh, Kelly McCrimmon also he talked uh, he talked about the neck injury. Well, he'll uh, have surgery uh, soon, and when I say soon, probably. Uh, within the next week, he's done a lot of work on uh, preparing for surgery, where he's going to have it, which surgeon will uh, will do that surgery. So we uh, spoke as recently as uh, a couple hours ago just to tighten up uh, what that time frame is going to look like, but he'll get his surgery very quickly. You know, we, we know he won't be in the lineup at all till the 2022. Um, we don't know how long, you know, exactly how long it's going to take to recover. But they do say that this surgery isn't something that's not going to be a problem. It's not that abrasive. And he'll be fine. And he will be back to 100% next year at this time. We should see a completely new and rejuvenated Jack Eichel, which if that's the case, as Chris just mentioned, this is one of the best players in the National Hockey League. And just a huge acquisition. And he's got to be so happy to be leaving the Buffalo Sabres and coming to Las Vegas, he might be the happiest guy in America that's about to have neck surgery. You know, you're getting ready for neck surgery and yet you're thrilled. That's got to be Jack Eichel. But Chris, it came at a price. We all know Alex Tuck is a guy that has a tremendous upside. He's got great size and stature, extremely fast, great hands, needs to finish a little bit better, but most people believe as, as his career moves on, he will become a finisher as well, and that's the only thing missing right now from Alex Tuck's game. Of course, Alex Tuck is out until until, uh, until 2022, so the Sabres are going to have to wait for him for a little while, but uh, they're not going to have to wait for Peyton Krebs, and, and, and Mag, Mags, you were one of the guys like myself that coming out of camp, Peyton Krebs is one of the guys we were excited about this season, watching him grow up in the National Hockey League. Well, we're going to watch him grow up on a different team. But I'm I'm not by any means. I still think Jack Eichel for Peyton Krebs and, and Alex Tuck and a couple of draft picks, say la vie. I mean, that's the way that I feel. As much as I do like both of those players, Alex Tuck, a hugely popular player, and, of course, one of the initial Vegas Golden Knights. But, Chris, this trade was a no-brainer. Yeah, no-brainer is, is the word that you should use because I think – Kelly McCrimmon did a fantastic job acquiring Jack Eichel. Look, everyone, everyone has their favorites, and you know, my mom, my mom. I can't believe they traded Tuck. I can't believe they traded Flurry. I can't believe they traded Nate Schmidt. Well, mom, it's it's a business. That's that's how it works. The team is trying to get better every single season. The goal is to win the Stanley Cup, and Jack Eichel 
no no offense to Alex Tuck, and I, I don't think he would take any. Alex Tuck isn't Jack Eichel. Peyton Krebs is not Jack Eichel. Uh, you know, both I, I, I really was sad to see Krebs go because I, I, I was in Vancouver when he was drafted. I got to talk to him like five minutes after he was drafted by this team. I it was he was in the the, the little scooter because he had the Achilles injury at the time. But he's a guy who who I think Buffalo is is really going to like. And look, I watched Alex Tuck's press conference yesterday with the Sabres, and he is the same guy who who we met at development camp way back in in June of 2017. He's very happy to be there. Um, you know, for Buffalo, that that's big. Having a guy who wants to be there. He grew up really close to Buffalo. He's an upstate New York guy. He was a Sabres fan growing up. He talked about him and his dad going to games, and he rattled off all the great players that were with the Sabres back when they went to the Eastern Conference Final and lost to the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, it, it's it's it, 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 it's cool that, that he gets to go, because not everybody gets to play in their home market. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of guys from the Toronto area. Not every one of them will ever have the opportunity to put on the Maple Leaf jersey. Alex Tuck is going to have the opportunity to put the jersey on of the team he grew up rooting for. And I think that that's really cool because for Alex Tuck, he has the potential now to be part of the the team, the the guys, the core that will turn the fortunes of the Buffalo Sabres around. Look, it's a great market. It's a huge hockey town. It's a city that deserves a lot better than what they've gotten the last decade out of their Sabres. And I hope, because I really, really like Alex Tuck. He's always been gracious with me, always made time to talk to me. Friendly guy. I'd bump into him at the arena. He would chat with me for a few minutes. He's a guy on the ice who, as you mentioned, if he learns to finish, he's got the total package. I mean, he's got it all. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got the know-with-all to be where he needs to be. He's still really young, too. He's not. He's not an old guy by any, and I think we look at him because he's been here since day one as being an older player, but he's really not. He's an experienced player, but that doesn't necessarily make him an older player. And I think for Tuck, it's a fresh start. It's in a, in a market that needs a star. And I'm hoping for Alex Tuck and for the Buffalo Sabres that he is that guy and he becomes a star in, in Buffalo. No, I agree with you, Chris, and uh, want to move on. we got Coach Kruger on the line, so I want to get him on real quick. But um, I agree with almost everything you said. I wish Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs nothing but the best. Jack Eichel is going to be a difference maker, and when the Vegas Golden Knights fans get a load of this guy, I'm telling you, get excited when he gets healthy. This is one of the best centermen in the National Hockey League, and he's 25 years old. He will recover from this next surgery, and when that guy puts on that number nine uniform for the first time, we're going to be very very happy here in Las Vegas. I promise you that. Uh, they, uh, the Knights play in Detroit uh, this afternoon, three o'clock game. The last of their homestand, or the last of their road games, I should say, for a little bit. They do come home for a six-game homestand starting Tuesday night against Seattle. So check that out. And uh, all I want to say, the last thing about hockey before we bring on Coach Kruger, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, Mags. I'll give you a few seconds to reflect on it. But did you see the goal Connor McDavid had yesterday to tie the game against the New York Rangers? I mean. I saw Wayne Gretzky make do some unbelievable things on the ice. As good as the one I saw Connor McDavid do last night, yes, as good, but no better. That is as good of a goal as you are going to see by a professional hockey player ever. You agree? All I have to say is unbelievable. Yeah, he literally he literally skated through four members of the Rangers, right through them, right down the middle, just. 
I, I mean, just deke them all and then put the puck in the net. It was it was incredible. If you haven't seen it, Google the goal last night by Connor McDavid. Again, it is as good of a goal as you will ever see. All right, listen. Uh, let's let's get right to it right now, and uh, let's let's go ahead and hit fact this, Spencer. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Wednesday night will be game one of the 2021-22 UNLV Running Rebels basketball season. And I can honestly say this is the most interest and enthusiasm I have felt and heard surrounding this program in a while. This is because of new head coach Kevin Kruger, the son of Lon Kruger, the last coach to guide UNLV uh, and lead them to wins in the NCAA tournament. They got to the Sweet 16 with Lon Kruger. And joining us now on the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio line and StreamYard is running Rebel head coach Kevin Kruger. How are you doing this morning, coach? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing good. It's a, a beautiful Sunday morning in Las Vegas, and being from Detroit, Michigan, uh, Kevin, I I love this when I get up and I can wear a short sleeve shirt uh, in in going into the middle of December or November, and it's beautiful outside. Right now in Detroit, I talked to my dad yesterday. He's freezing his backside off, so I'm always happy about that in Las Vegas. You got to love it, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, me and my daughter have already been outside on a walk, and. Uh... I was wearing t-shirt and sweatpants and she's out in her inner onesie and and we're happy as clams. Not a lot of places you can do that on November 7th. No, 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 not not a lot of places at all. Coach getting ready it's finally here the season's starting and i've got to commend you uh you did a, a a great job recruiting considering the amount of time that you had getting the players in here matter of fact you got a guy right now that uh preseason is on the all uh new team matter of fact he's expected to be one of the best newcomers in the conference this year and of course the return of Bryce Hamilton, who declared initially for the NBA draft. Um, when we talked last time, I think back in April, uh, you know, you were getting ready, you were going around talking to all the players, and I gotta say, Coach, you didn't sound very enthusiastic when I asked you about Bryce Hamilton. You said, hey, we're gonna talk to him, we want to coach players that want to be here. Well, I guess Bryce Hamilton wanted to be here. Yeah, Bryce was a it, Bryce was a little bit of a unique situation just because of the relationship we had built over the last two years. And so it wasn't something where we called and bothered him every day about our, selling the program or selling the, you know, the style or anything. We really just the, the times we talked to him and his mom, Jamie, we just talked about, you know, the trust we had built over two years. And if that was something that uh, intrigued them and they wanted to continue forward with, we'd love to have him back. But it was a little bit abnormal of a recruiting process, uh, but also getting to know Bryce over the past couple of years, knowing he's a very secure and confident person, uh, calling and bothering him every day, it wasn't something that I think would have interested him. You know, we, you talk to Bryce, uh, there can be times where you're hanging out with Bryce and he'll sit in the office or something and you just you got a football game going or something and you just watch it and not much is said, but you know, that's, that's quality time for a guy like Bryce. And so I think uh, at the end of the day, he just decided to, to, kind of go with that trust that had been built over the last two years and we're excited to have him back because uh he can score he's got a his instincts are to score and it's, he's a natural scorer so having a guy like that is always an advantage well and, and considering his stature in the mountain west conference he's not going to surprise anybody second team all mountain west last year coach um how much are you talking to bryce i know like you said he he's a guy that that has the ability to lead by example 
on the basketball court. What about off the court and in the locker room? Because really it is important to have an established leader. I know you've got a few guys you're going to be counting on, but considering what he has already accomplished at the collegiate level and at UNLV, how much are you going to count on him to be a leader off the court as well as on the court? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest challenge for Bryce this year and for the rest of his career, as long as he plays basketball, is you know he's proven he can score and he's proven he can be relied on to score. Now that next step is every day and everything you do being relied on to win and and take that ownership and that accountability to get this team to the tournament because he's plenty athletic enough to play uh, long stretches of games and he's and he's proven he can score it. So now will he we're challenging him to take that next leadership step of letting the guys look at you and know that you're just about winning this game no matter what. And uh, they know you can score. We know you can score. We're going to try to do our best to put you in uh, advantage situations to score because that's still going to be his main role, of course. But uh, the rest of the uh, aspect that goes into winning, you know, getting those stops, getting those rebounds, talking and communicating. And uh, but uh, we've been we've been happy with his progress in terms of, of meeting us on that and how we see it as a staff. And uh, we're excited for Bryce this year. We'll think I think we'll, I think he'll have a lot of fun. That's good to hear. And yeah, because last year, one of the things that if it was a criticism and, you know, it was more to, uh, you know, your predecessor, but I just, there were many times I felt that they weren't running the offense through Bryce. And I thought, you know, you've got a guy right here that preseason was expected to be first team all Mountain West. And I'm seeing them not run the offense through Bryce. Now, maybe they were, he was being used as a decoy, but I was a little bit surprised in that when you've got a player of his stature, usually the star player uh, is going to, the, the offense are going to always try to run it through him. But, uh, I'm excited to see the the morphing of Bryce Hamilton going into this season. What about this other kid? How much pressure does it put on a guy like Kashawn Gilbert, who comes in as the preseason freshman of the year? So right away, expectations are huge. Hey, at high school, they didn't seem to be too big for him as he led his high school last year to a state championship. But this is a true freshman. How much are you going to count on a guy like Kashawn Gilbert this year? Well, I think the best part about Keyshawn is that he just he plays so hard and he has fun playing and competing. And, you know, we, we've talked to him about the expectations or he shouldn't have any expectations other than the ones he puts on himself. And, you know, freshman of the year, sometimes your mind can get going. I'm sure he's wondering, well, does that mean I'm, I'm going to average 15 and eight or play 35 minutes? But, you know, I think the freshman of the year historically through the conference has come from somebody that helps their team win and has a role and we 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 expect that from Keyshawn. he's going to play really hard he defends really well he's about the right things he's never selfish and i think he can still get freshman of the year without worrying about numbers and stats because we'll give him the opportunity to go play and and contribute and have a have a big role on this team so as long as he doesn't let the, the expectations of others get in his way he's somebody who could absolutely win freshman of the year just by doing what he does this Wednesday night, the, you got your first game at 7 o'clock. Um, you know, a game, obviously, at home. Uh, people are expecting, uh, you know, to, to see what UNLV is this year. That'll be the first sign that the public gets to see UNLV. What should people expect to see this year from this run and Rebels team? What will be maybe their moniker, the overtone of this team? I really just hope with this group that they – when they leave the Thomas and Mac or watch us on a road game that they say they're having fun. And because I think, uh, you know, representing this city and the school, the way that, that, that this, this city and the school 
should be represented is just by a group that enjoys fighting and competing. I think uh, Vegas has always been a town that respects and appreciates a, uh, a team that fights and competes and just uh, does the little things and does what they need to do to win. And uh, well, I told the guys during the recruiting process when we were bringing in transfers, this is a knowledgeable fan base. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of history in this town. You know, lifelong people that have been going to Rebel Games since the convention center, which, you know, would, would draw a look or two from recruits on Zooms. But, you know, when that's built in and that's the fabric of, of your fan base, they, they appreciate it. and they know when you're trying hard and when you're playing hard. And when, when you're doing things out of the ordinary, something doesn't feel right. And so as much as anything, this is a, this is a group that enjoys being in the gym. So uh, we're going to do our best as a staff to help them relay that to the court because we like, uh, we like our group. And if they can go out there and have fun and play for each other, I think they can uh, win a lot of games and have a lot of fun doing it. Gardner Webb again Wednesday night, and then it it it, it right it gets right into things. You're playing uh, Cal on the 13th um, of November. Um, are you ready? Are you guys ready for the season? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They've, they've uh, this is an older group again. They've uh, a couple of them, you know, are definitely getting itching and and starting to get a little anxious to play somebody else. And uh, I think uh, that's good. I'd much rather have have it that way than them just want to practice more. So. Uh, the games are the fun part, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, our as you said, our schedule's a bear. So, you know, we're gonna go out there and and go up on Wednesday. They're probably a little, it's gonna feel a little weird on Tuesday when everybody else opens up. But you know, we'll watch uh, during team dinner. We'll watch some of those games and talk and get ready for Gardner Webb and you know do whatever we can. All we can do is go play the game Wednesday and and then go to Saturday from there. Well, I know I speak for a lot of the media. Looking forward to seeing this team. And before I let you go, Coach, talk to me about Kruger's Crew, the program that was just announced. I got the email from Andy Grossman. Talk to me about Kruger's Crew. Uh, yeah, Kruger's Crew is just an initiative, you know, help get people to the Thomas and Mac. I think, uh, you know, we, we've talked about the, this being the community and the city's team and the, and the university's team. And, and, the, and the way this group is going to represent UNLV in the city is uh, – is something that that we are proud of and we appreciate and so Kruger's Crew is just another thing that can uh they can help get people to the Thomas and Mac and uh in any way we can and uh because we we want we want the guys to feel the love we've people have been coming to practice coming to workouts and and the guys know that there's a history in this town and that the city and the community love UNLV but uh on game night is where it really shows and so this is just something that can that can hopefully help bring people to Thomas Mack and enjoy uh, UNLV basketball. Yeah, a chance to contribute to help out with this. It's a great a great idea. And, Coach, yeah, the bottom line is I know what everyone wants to see here is a rejuvenated uh, experience when they go to the Thomas and Mack Center. And I know as far as the basketball programs, UNLV, they want to see the Thomas and Mack rocking and rolling because it is still, in my opinion, one of the coolest facilities in the country to play basketball in and to watch basketball in. And I know you, your dad, and everyone involved with this program would love to see that place rocking and roll again, rolling again like it has in the past and especially now that they are going to let fans in vaccinated fans but they're letting fans into the thomas and mac this year it's going to be exciting coach kruger wish you nothing but the best of luck this year and go ahead and get that mac that mac packed again all right thank you 
All right, Coach Kevin Kruger joining us uh, today on Out of Line. We appreciate it. And again, in the Rub- Running Rebels play Gardner Webb this Wednesday night. Tickets available to see them at the Thomas and Mac, the new look Running Rebels uh, under first year coach Kevin Kruger. Looking very forward to seeing that. And again, I actually am excited about it. I was really happy, Spencer, that they were getting back uh, Bryce Hamilton. Um, I know he declared for the NBA draft, humbled him a little bit. But the bottom line is this kid does have NBA skills. And as long as he picks up a little bit more of maybe a vocal role and uh, I don't want to say more of an unselfish role because I think Bryce Hamilton gave up the ball when he had to. We all know that he can score uh, maybe a little bit more on the distributing end of it. But this kid has potential to even be the best player in the Mountain West Conference this year. Well, he could have been drafted in the NBA two years ago, maybe in the second round, the latter half, and gone to the G League. I think you know last year it just it wasn't his year. He just really didn't look that good in a lot of places. So declaring for the NBA draft was probably more of a feeler thing. So he's in that G League range right now. I do believe he can find himself on a roster. He's a forward with the ability to score from any spot on the court, and that's extremely valuable. So we'll see. This this is a make it or break it year for him in terms of what his career in basketball is going to look like, whether or not it's overseas or you know in the NBA. Well, you know, and uh, I, I would agree with that. I think that, that Bryce Hamilton does have the skills. He's definitely going to play professional basketball. It's just can he play at the absolute highest level here in the States? We'll find that out. And this year is going to be a telltale sign of his improvement and his ability. And again, I just think there was a, there was obviously a personality conflict or some conflict with him and TJ Otzelberger. You could tell because I just didn't think enough plays were running through Bryce Hamilton. I'm not a basketball coach. That's the one sport I didn't play a lot of. Um, but I know the game and understand it very well. And watching it, I think all of us in the media were scratching our heads at time. Like, why is Bryce Hamilton not getting the ball more often, especially on a team that is underachieving, which was UNLV last year? My guess is Kevin Kruger understands this, is probably much more thrilled than he let on to have Bryce Hamilton back. How could he not be? And then you get this freshman coming in that looks like he's going to be a really good player or two there is a good nucleus at UNLV right now how can they be crafted how can they be formed into a basketball team that compete in the Mountain West and maybe even beyond well we're going to find out all I know is again the most enthusiasm excitement I have seen heard and felt around UNLV basketball in a long time since maybe the early days of, of even you know Dave Rice but probably since Kevin's dad was the coach of this team and they went to the Sweet 16 uh, underneath him uh, this is this is really exciting and I wish Kevin nothing but the best he's a good guy and the key is him and his family love and have embraced Las Vegas as their home and the place they want to be so I hope he's got success and he's here for a lot of years uh, but talking about UNLV, Let's go over to the football team, guys. We don't have a lot of time. I want to get to everything today if we can. But UNLV football, here's the way it sounded at the end of the game last night. This is not the twilight zone. Good for Marcus Arroyo and these UNLV Rebels. His first win as a head coach. 706 days since we've had or heard a UNLV. Chris, being an alumni, both you and Spencer are alumni from UNLV, so I'm going to shut up for the most part in this segment, but I want to say something to you. What kind of bothered me about the victory, and I don't know if it bothered you, and maybe it shouldn't bother me, but do you really dump a big keg of Gatorade on a coach for getting his first career win when he's 0-14 going into that game? Do you make that big of a deal out of a single win? I know it's important. I know it was big to Marcus Arroyo and big to the program, but big enough to dump a Gatorade container on your coach? 
I got no problem with it. Look, it's it's been a, a tough season for for UNLV, uh, and that's that's including last season as well. Obviously, a, a a pretty difficult start to his tenure as head coach at UNLV. I mean, look, it, it it's about having fun. These are college kids. There's very few, if any, NFL players on the roster. I I think they maybe have one or two guys at the most. Uh, so so for a lot of these guys, it's about having fun, and this is their they're going to be the end of their football careers. Obviously, they care deeply about their coach, and their coach has shown he cares deeply about them. Um, so I, I I got no problem with it, Brian. Look, it's his first win as a head coach in college football. It's it's been a struggle, but. They've been close. There's been some heartbreak along the way, and I feel like maybe there's just a big sense of relief for for Marcus Arroyo and the Rebels, and I think they go out, and I think they win next week against Hawaii to make it two in a row. That will be a tall order. I, Hawaii uh, just, just stood toe-to-toe with the top 25 team in the country, maybe overrated a bit, but but uh, the bottom line is they stood toe-to-toe with them and lost by a touchdown. Hawaii is going to be no pushover, I'll tell you that, Chris. But, um, yeah, I can see, okay, the college players having fun, but was the dumping of the barrel on Coach Arroyo? I don't think there was satire in it. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think it was done in, in any kind of jest, but – does it say at all that, hey, we like Coach Arroyo, we love him, and we're happy that he got a win, or was it just players having fun? Because a week ago in Reno, Chris, we talked about it last week on the show, it looked like that team had no enthusiasm, no motivation, and to me, the Reno game, when you're when you're a lousy team in, in, you, in Las Vegas, the only thing that you care about is trying to get that cannon. And in the game, they should have been more enthusiastic than any other game. It was the game they were the flattest all year, other than than maybe you know other than maybe the game earlier against Iowa State um so you know what what was that I mean I mean are you going to say that these players are embracing Marcus Arroyo and that was to show their love for him or was it just the guys having fun well I think it could be a combination of both I mean look you you lose however many games the Rebels had lost in a row there's going to be a lot of relief and there's going to be a lot of happiness on on that sideline and I think the team works hard. I think I think Marcus Royal works really hard. Like I don't think he he he's the kind of coach who doesn't take it serious, and the kind of coach who is la- laissez faire when it comes to to trying to win games. I mean, look, some coaches don't have it. I think Marcus Royal is a guy who puts in the work. I think he puts in the time. And I feel like, look, that team. I think they do care about him. And and I mean, the Reno game. I. I it's a bad spot for that kind of letdown to happen. But this was a team that had lost a couple of games by one possession in, in the weeks leading up to that game. If there's one game you can't have that letdown, it's against Reno. But Marcus Arroyo has been on the record as saying he doesn't want their season defined by winning or losing against Reno. And look, maybe that worked for some people. Like I, I, I will say this. I can't imagine a coach could go into Reno and make that comment. But down here, it's a little bit different. I think the aspirations, and I don't think the, the just dislike and hatred is there from Southern Nevada like it is towards Northern Nevada, towards us. There's a lot of jealousy between Reno and Vegas. They clearly are jealous of, of the people in the South. And, you know, I don't think, I, I, I don't like it as an alum, but I'm also not the coach. And, and look, if they go seven and four or, or eight and four every season and they lose to Reno, I think I could live with that if they're making bowl games. I don't think they could live with that in Reno. 
No, I, I would agree. I mean, it's Las Vegas and Reno. I mean, the, you know, you go to the other side of the world, nobody knows who the hell Reno, Nevada is. Everybody in the world knows where Las Vegas is. So I'm, I'm just saying. Um, aside from that, uh, they, again, they're playing Hawaii next Saturday back at Allegiant Stadium. Hawaii, uh, a one-touchdown loss to uh, San Diego State yesterday. And San Diego State, a pretty damn good ball team. They've only lost one game. They're 8-1 and one now. So, like I said, Hawaii's coming in off of an inspiring performance uh, last, you know, yesterday. We'll see how they do against uh, against Vegas next week. And just real quickly, flying through college football, as I mentioned earlier, Michigan State loses to Purdue by double digits. You know, Purdue is the first team ever as an unranked team to win multiple games versus top five opponents by double digits in a single season. Uh, Purdue somehow, man, just gets up for big opponents. It's three straight now over top ten teams overall that Purdue has won. Uh, and again, double digits yesterday. Uh, Purdue making a bid, man. They are really playing well. Um, and you, you, MSU just a letdown after that huge win over Michigan. They just went in there a little bit flat. But I'll tell you what, Aiden O'Donnell, oh, excuse me, Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback of Purdue, if he's not player of the week this week i don't know what could be 40 of 54 536 yards and three touchdowns and david bell his number one receiver oh man i would love the lions to get this kid this kid is going to be a superstar people can pair him or i should say two or three people have compared him to jerry rice i mean it doesn't get any bigger than that maybe those are unfair expectations he compares himself to alan uh robinson of the of the chicago bears but uh, which i think is much more humbling of him but still that's still a pretty big comparison. This kid is going to be good. I mean, if he stays healthy, this this kid's looking for a great NFL career. He is amazing the way he runs routes, the way he gets off the line of scrimmage, everything great about Bell. He had a pretty decent game himself, 11 catches, 217 yards and a touchdown. Purdue just simply stomped on MSU. After MSU came back and tied the game at 21, Purdue could have easily let, let down, and they didn't. I like this Purdue football team. I'm sad for Michigan State as they're now out of the playoff hunt, but um, it was a hell of a game if you watched it, just watching Purdue put the pedal to the metal. Wake Forest, also another top 10 team that went down. They lost their first game of the season uh, to North Carolina, 58-54. Baylor went down again, this time to TCU. Mississippi State lost to Arkansas. That game didn't surprise me. Tennessee beats Kentucky. Minnesota, well, um, Mr. Rowan the boat finally rowed the boat down down the wrong stream, and uh, they lost to Illinois uh, 14-6. Illinois had a few upsets this year, and uh, Fresno State loses again to Boise State, but those are the upsets. Real quickly, as we're almost out of time, the Raiders – Talk about the bones. My God, what a week for the Raiders. Uh, a couple weeks ago, John Gruden and all the all the garbage we learned about him. And then Henry Ruggs, a 22-year-old kid, uh, this past week. We all have heard the story. We've all heard about it. Uh, just ruined his entire life. Uh, doing whatever he did, driving 156 miles an hour down Rainbow Boulevard and, and killing a young 23-year-old woman and her dog in the most tragic and horrific way you can possibly do it. I just don't know how to feel. I don't even know how to talk about this. I'm mortified over it. As much as I, I feel for a 22-year-old kid that I know he's not a murderer, he's not a guy that went out to kill anyone, it doesn't matter. That was completely moronic, idiotic, and when it's about an $8 Uber ride home, and come on, you could turn around to anybody. Where was he? Top golf, and anybody would drive you home. Your Henry Ruggs. It just—it's it, horrific, and I really hope this this has a a multiplying effect throughout the National Football League, throughout all sports, throughout all people. Again, that nobody is is above anything. We're human. And please, please, please take a lesson from this. I talked to my kids the next day right after it. As it's like it's a heartbreaking thing.
anything. We're going to leave it at that. I don't want to beat this horse into the glue factory, but just absolutely tragic what happened with Henry Ruggs. My guess is it's up to a 20-year sentence. They'll probably give him half of that, and he'll end up serving three to four years. And I'll tell you, if I'm this, this girl's parents and family, I show up at the parole hearing with pictures of her and photo albums saying, is four years or three years really enough for this woman's life? And they'll keep him for the full sentence. And I hate saying that, but all I can do is put myself, my, my son is 20, just turned 24 years old. My daughter's 27. I cannot imagine being the parents of this girl and what they must be going through right now. I mean, you know, a couple miles from her home and this happens at, at 3.30 in the morning. It's tragic. It's it's horrific. It's the worst story of the year, in my opinion. And and I am, uh, I, I like I said, I'm at a completely at a loss for words. Uh, going to the positive side, the Raiders coming off of two straight wings. They had a bye week. They get into, go into New York to play the Giants, who are playing a little better football. Um, I think Darren Waller will be back this week. But, boy, his backup, Foster Moreau, played so good last week. Six catches, his first career touchdown. Pretty cool. Um, Spencer, what do you think of the game today in New York, and what is it going to take for Las Vegas to get their third straight win and keep uh, at least a share of the lead in the uh, AFC West. Yeah, and, you know, the whole Henry Rugg situation, obviously they've lost their number one wide receiver. Like, that's the game part of it, not the, the human side of it, of what actually happened. And it's going to be on Hunter Renfro. Like, this is going to be his chance to be more than a third down slot receiver. Look, he to me, he reminds me a lot of Cooper Cup. It's a guy who's always open, really quick on his feet, runs really good routes. So that's going to be what he's doing today. They say Zay Jones is going to step up to that number two spot. But obviously, you know, with one less receiver. I think Brian Edwards is the number one receiver now that this team is going to go to. He's got to be. And that's not good. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not terrible, Spencer. He was the biggest surprise in the draft, I think, the year he was drafted. So no, he was, as far as for the Raiders draft. He's not a number one wide receiver no. in actuality. But, you know, Deshaun Jackson is on the uh, the waiver wire, and OBJ will be too. So, you know, the Raiders will be interested in both of those guys. But for this week, you know, you got to – people are calling this a trap game. I don't know if I would label this a trap game. This is something, like, way outside of the game of football. This is just, like, can they get it all together? And, obviously, Derek Carr has still been that leader for the team. I've obviously been his number one detractor for a very long time. But, uh, you know, the way that he's rallied behind these guys and the way he's making it work this season is a true testament. To me right now, he is the early season MVP – for just you know his play on the field and also what he's done for the franchise and i think they will win today it just feels like this is the culture that they've built that they feel like they can get through anything together i like it rich bisaccia doing a great job and really quickly the game of the day there's a lot of games of the day you might might say it's the packers and the chiefs that's going to be an interesting game with jordan love getting his first nfl start we'll talk about aaron Rodgers more in the future i think the game of the day is the titans at the rams tennessee playing the rams that is going to be a very interesting game can anybody stop derrick henry can the rams stop derrick henry Oh, you know, he's out for the you're, season. You're right. You're right. What, what, what am I? What am I saying? You're 100 percent right. <laughs> still a great game. I, I'm thinking. I, I wrote it down last week, preparing for this game. It still should be a great game. Um, the Rams, though, to me right now, looking like maybe the best team in the National Football League, and they're going to be a very tough out. You know, we saw the Cardinals go down as good as the Cardinals are, and they beat the Rams. I think those teams play each other six times. It's both. Listen, we're out of time. Uh, great fight last night. Canelo Alvarez beats Caleb Plant, becoming the first ever. Um, what is it? Super middleweight, super welterweight uh, cha combined champion is pretty incredible. Boxing's garbage with all these different belts. Like, what does that even mean anymore? There's like so many different. He's still the best boxer. Last in the world, night in was opinion. a great fight. Yeah, it was a great fight. It's just the product in boxing isn't great for me right now. Right. We're out of this out of line. I want to thank Coach Kevin Kruger. Thanks, Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, Chris Magnum, Chapman back in studio. I'm Brian Feldman. We will be back next week. And again, the Raiders play shortly. So check it out in New York. Bye bye.